I'm B. I'm Ben. And I'm Katie. And in today's episode, we'll be talking about why do people do PhDs? What even is a PhD? And what do you do with it when you finish? We've been out and about talking to fellow PhD students to hear what they think. So Ben, tell us, why did you do a PhD? (laughs) Why did I do a PhD? I needed a job after I quit my old job and I saw one advertised. That's the the honest answer. But I I did a part-time master's with the Open University while I was a teacher. And I really liked academia, loved learning, loved like doing new things with my brain and um, yeah a job came along that was sociological like my my masters and I just went for it. Are you glad you did it? I'm very glad I did it yes. Uh, It was a bit of a leap into the unknown especially quitting my old job which was pretty well paid to now be on stipend of £15,000 a year. Um, yeah, my wife is very supportive. I'm 38 next month, so you know I'm an older student. Uh, and actually, my research is about older workers, so it's quite topical in that sense. Um, yeah, and just having three years to think and to research is is really fantastic. You glad you did yours, Kate? Yes, definitely. So before this, I was in a job that I really hated. Um, And so a bit like you, I was just looking for a a way out. Um, And it's been great because it's given me a bit of time to, well, partly to recover. A lot of people talk about PhD as really problematic for their mental health. But for me, it's been brilliant because it's given me space to, um, you know, spend time on on myself, what I needed. um, And also to spend a lot of time learning and doing all that great stuff that you normally don't get the privilege of being paid to do so um yeah it's been it's been really good b why did you do it well i've got my answer but i also at the very start of my phd wrote um, what my motivations were in case i ever felt lost and doubting why i did it so i've opened that up and i've genuinely not looked at it for over a year so we could have a see but my answer at the moment would be because the job I was in, I used to work in the public sector and I was seeing lots of things in that role that I wanted to, uh, had quite big questions about and I wanted to be able to get answers to. Um, and so really me wanting to do a PhD was led by wanting to answer those research questions um, and that's kind of why I came into it, I suppose. So that's the, what the official answer should be. <laughs> like, I've, I've got a really burning research question, not fuck my old job. <laughs> there, was, there was also quite a lot of fuck my old job as well, to be honest. Um, Okay, let's have a look at what my motivations were. Oh my gosh, it's quite long. Um, Okay, so the first thing is I started off by saying I've been told that what I'm going to start is going to be the hardest thing I'll ever face. (laughs) Um, And so I've written this to remind myself why I'm doing it if I'm facing the hardest thing I'm ever facing. Um, Oh, to be honest, it's rambling mess. I do at the end put, finally, I can't wait until I change my title to doctor. Yeah, it's literally 97% of the reason why I'm doing this, actually. <laughs> and quite Dr. funny is when I started this, I was not engaged. Um, I now am engaged. But I put, finally, I can't wait until I can change my title to doctor so the world can quit putting my marital status before my name. <laughs> because, obviously, as a as someone who identifies as female, then I am miss, missus. It's all about whether I'm single or not, not anything else. Yeah, so. before I had any serious plans of doing a PhD, I had talked to my mum about doing it for that very reason. Because I was like, I don't want to be defined by marital status. And so basically having a doctor title is about the only way you can not even identify your gender in any way. So 
it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the other things I've put in here are things like that, yeah, I want to find answers to questions, um, take another step in my career, uh, achieve something I didn't think I'd ever achieve or even aspire to. Um, Do you still agree with these motivations? I think so, but I think I've got less of a sense of needing to prove myself than I probably did when I started. Like, actually, I don't feel quite so, like, I don't feel like I've got as much of a chip on my shoulder as probably what I did at this point of feeling like I wasn't um, capable. Well, you've, you've done a lot of great work in the last year, so you've proved oh. yourself there. You flirt, Ben. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the, the idea of, like, me even applying for a PhD is, you know, not, not many people would consider that, right? It's not in their their view to do that but a big inspiration for me was my brother-in-law's wife who just finished a epidemiology PhD at King's and just talking to her she's such an expert she's so passionate about her work um, and in that sort of level of detail they have to be during a PhD uh, yeah it did inspire me actually to do the original masters and then other masters and then to get on this course so yeah, yeah I think that's a good hearing. point actually like how you first think about it because I say I joked about it with my mum before but I never meant I was actually going to do one especially not purely because of my title but um, it was only when I did my master's that then one of my um, lecturers said to me oh maybe you should consider applying and it still took me another year to actually mm-hmm. make the application um, but it was just it never crossed my mind before that point even as someone who you know got good grades in the past I just a PhD just never occurred to me as an option. That is something really worth saying in terms of why, because obviously there's something about self-belief and a, re- and a kind of topic you want to do. But for me, definitely a big part of it was someone in particular telling me I should, or at least giving me the idea. And that was my that was my supervisor who sort of said, and had fed me for a while, kind of the ideas about when you do a PhD. And actually I needed that. Um, I needed to be able to imagine it as a possibility mm. because I probably wouldn't have just imagined that on my own if someone else hadn't kind of said, you, you could do this. Shout out to Rebecca. Yeah, see, it's the same for me because the lecturer I just mentioned actually is now my supervisor. So it's interesting how it's that one person who motivates you that then you then want to stick with. But I guess for you, Ben, you must have chosen a supervisor that you'd never met before. Yeah, I mean, it literally was a job application. So um, yeah. me and B share a supervisor, Rebecca, but my other supervisor, Pauline, you know... Um, She's a big cheese in this in this world. Uh, and luckily, I didn't know that at the time of the interview. So I went in and quite good at an interview. Quite good at <laughs> <Get> bullshitting. <you. laughs> I'm good at bullshitting. I don't know. Um, and yeah, I just turned on the charm or whatever and waffled on about structure and agency. I don't know what I was talking about at the time. But that was the words I wanted to hear. And I think they were interested in my personal story. Yeah, and I just met them. And luckily, they're absolutely fantastic, both of them really really great uh, academics and lovely lovely people uh but yeah there wasn't from them that mo- they they didn't motivate me i had mm-hmm. lisa should we hear from some of our fellow phds about why they did it yes let's. okay let's start with reese so why are you doing a phd <laughs> to be an academic <laughs> hopefully but um that wasn't the 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 motivating factor though when i started i think i just felt as though i wasn't done I had I really liked my undergrad and then I had one plus three I knew I wanted to do a master's so I thought I can't afford to do a master's without some funding so I get one plus three and and then the the PhD becomes like part of it then but only since being 
institutionalized maybe i've decided to be an academic like decide i want to be an academic um but yeah i think maybe that's like i don't know being brainwashed more than anything so yeah interesting i mean reese is um 23 24 so he's gone straight through mm. like each of us uh yeah like he says institutionalized that's quite um but i definitely identify with that sense of not feeling done because for me, I've I've staggered my... Um, so I did do an undergrad, I went to work for a few years, then did a master's, and then I went to work for a few years, and now I'm doing my PhD. And at each of those steps, at the end of the undergrad, I didn't feel like I was done. At the end of the master's, I didn't feel like I was done. Maybe that's how you become an academic, is that you, at the end of your PhD, you still feel like you're not done. <laughs> <laughs> See, for me, like, when I did my undergrad, the last thing I wanted to do was go back to uni again. I was so glad to be out of there. And then I went and worked for two years, and I was like... Oh, maybe it wasn't so bad after all. <laughs> I, I did a random music undergrad, music technology, and then I went straight into a audio acoustics master's. I did it for like six weeks, and I was working at, in a call centre, and I thought, I oh, know, I'll go full-time in the call centre. What a massive fuck-up that was. <laughs> Three years of call centre hell after, you know, it's just terrible. Then I did a PGCE, was a music, te- music teacher for ten years, and hated that as well, so this all came around, but... Um, not feeling done. I'm not sure I really felt felt that. I do now. I want to keep going now. Yeah. Yeah, see, that's the thing. This whole whole degree I've been saying, I don't want to work in academia, I don't want to work in academia. And then one of my supervisors the other day suggested I might work in academia, and now I'm like, maybe I'll work in academia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, it does, like, slowly chip away at you. <laughs> so why are you doing a PhD? Um, I would say... The war part is fun. I mean, uh, I enjoy academic academic life, uh, what's going on inside the university, for one part. Also like the subject, economics. and uh, But I also think that, I don't know, pursuing a career in economics is, it will give me more freedom uh, in the labor market, probably, than, than traditional or non-academic jobs, uh, probably mostly. So similar reasons to Reese, although maybe not with such an academic emphasis. Um, yeah, because he's talking about um, other things you can do the PhD with in the labour market and maybe that having an advantage, although do we agree? Because I've had things that, you know, we're an overqualified generation. and Well, the part, if I'm being a bit less cynical, part of the reason I did the PhD is because I thought it would help me to get the jobs that I want to get. So because I want to work in research in the future, I did try applying for research jobs before and I just wasn't getting interviews because I didn't have any research experience at all so maybe I will be slightly overqualified now but I just didn't know how else to get into that field so it's yeah I think it can be useful but it depends on what you want to do Mm. yeah like I imagine there's quite a lot of jobs like that I'm interested in sort of in public sector working and stuff where a PhD is not a good requirement (laughs) but in research I suppose it is yeah it depends because like before this I was working um, in research funding in the civil service and a hugely disproportionate number of people there had PhDs and I guess that's because if, you're, if you've got one and you want to go into the field you might think that's sort of related so that's the department you'll apply to or something but it is I think you do get more people in the civil service who have them but it's certainly not essential. Mm. Why are you doing a PhD? Oh, well, I'm a lecturer in my country, so it's like a requirement to do a PhD, and also I'm enjoying the PhD. Uh, personally, I believe that uh, it will 
I excel my knowledge, especially I can do a contribution to my country in demography. So I have met a few people actually that have already been working in research or working as a lecturer or something and then have chosen to do a PhD sort of the other way around. So they've done it afterwards. Mm. Um, yeah. We're at the start of our potential careers and she's mm. filling in the gaps, which is probably a bit more stressful. Yeah. And I suppose one thing we've not really spoken about is kind of what the PhD looks like in terms of timelines. So generally at the moment in the UK, they're between three and four years, but around the world, they look quite different. Um, And in other universities in the UK, it's more common to be doing teaching um, without a PhD and then to maybe do that as part of the process. Whereas other institutions, it's kind of generally accepted that you'll already have the PhD. But where I used to study at Portsmouth, then quite a lot of my senior staff were doing their PhD alongside because they'd had a professional background like in children and youth work. So they were coming to do, you know, really knowledgeable and really brilliant, but they were studying at the same time. Yeah, I think Sweden's like six or seven years full time. Paid. Oh, well, if it's pay. <laughs> I think it's a long time. I think it's Sweden. It's one of the Scandinavian countries. It's like an amazing place to do it because you get really good pay. You get all the benefits that you would get in employment, like a pension and all that. But then also you get treated like a member of staff. And there's all these crazy traditions as well. Like you get to, on the day of your, I think it's your viva, it might be your graduation. You get like a sword and some other thing and you get to like walk around and be like, oh, I'm brilliant. Sword. <laughs> yeah. Swag. We don't get swords. No, we, we do, do get not. floppy hats. And then I think if we got one more, is this from a postdoc? Yes. So this is someone who's already finished their PhD, reflecting on why she did it. Why did you do a PhD? Great question. I think it's something we all need to think about before we do one. I did hesitate for a while uh, and I haven't had a kind of traditional um, academic progression. I've gone back and forth from uh, working in NGOs and government um, and then studying in between doing masters and things like that. Um, So I think it was when I really realised that I had a burning question and something that I wanted to work on for a four-year period. And I think you really need uh, to be able to have that passion and drive to get you through the PhD experience. And I think it was also when I realised that doing a PhD can lead to multiple things and you can make what you want of it. So I realised that um, if I did a topic that I was really interested in, uh, which my topic is looking at volunteers and NGOs who uh, work with migrants in Australia, uh, that I could make links with NGOs and volunteers and understand that sector a bit more and develop skills in that kind of um, domain as well as in um, more political domain. And so that then um, if I wanted to, I could do something different with it um, in more in that kind of trajectory when I finished. So I identify a lot with like what Tess has said, because I, like I said, for me, was kind of led by a question. And I suppose related to that question was, to some extent, political questions as well and wanting to explore. And when you're doing a job, generally people need you to just get on with your job, not to be asking too many questions. Um, but from our conversation earlier, that ne- that wasn't necessarily what you two got into it for. Do you feel like since you've started, though, developing a question and a reason, a research reason has been quite important? So I have kind of had a research question driving my work, but it didn't actually start off as the original topic of my PhD. Um, so when I did my master's, my dissertation was about austerity, which is what my PhD is now on. But when I first started my PhD, it was about deprivation more generally. And so when basically as I was going through it in the first few months 
I was like, oh, I really want to write about austerity. And my supervisors were like, go for it. Um, and actually, it's been great. So I was basically motivated by that the whole time. It's just it wasn't it wasn't my original plan. Mm. Yeah. And um, I applied for my steered PhD, which is from the Industrial Strategy Fund. And it was about um, adult or older workers retraining into the digital and creative industries. And that was great. As a teacher, I was interested in edu- education and I have from a sort of creative background. But uh, it took me ages to, to realise, well, I couldn't get a grip on that. And then I realised um, that that's not really a thing that happens. So um, I had to, I went through a lot of stress and had to re- retool my PhD. But then I landed on strategies older workers use to sustain careers uh, in industries that are quite ageist and have quite difficult uh, conditions. So there's sort of, um, there's lots of aspects there which you can think of like social justice ac- asset, social justice aspects and, um, you know, in, in, the, in the sort of world, uh, world of work that we have, which is sort of precarious and all that sort of stuff. There's lots you uh, can pull out on there, which are really interesting. I've now become very passionate about it because I, you know, I'm I'm an old worker because I'm 38 soon. Uh, anyone over 35 is considered older, so it's relevant to me. Um, you know, and I know lots of people in the creative industries and digital tech sector, so it's relevant to my sort of life as well. So I think so far we've covered like lots of different reasons why people choose to do a PhD in the first place but also what sustains them in that and what keeps them going through the process of a PhD and our final questions that we asked people was what are they planning on doing with their PhD or what do people do with them afterwards and once you've got it so should we hear some of those and um what things can you do with a PhD Um, Well, kind of what I was saying before, I think that you can really make the PhD work for you in terms of where you see yourself going in the future. And I think that's really something to keep in mind while you're doing a PhD um, is kind of where do you see yourself going? And of course, we don't always know. um, But I think uh, it's, you know, it's not only useful for going into an academic career pathway, even though that's kind of where I am at the moment. Um, I think it can also lead you into other directions depending on what kind of skills you develop throughout it and what connections you make. So I've learned stuff about putting on workshops, events, um, you know, how to do public speaking. Uh, I've learned research skills, but those things are always really also very useful for policy environments and other kind of environments too. So um, I think it helps to have that in mind. And obviously, if you want to have an academic career, probably think about publications while you're doing a PhD. I, I, I suppose lots of people become academics, right? And it's kind of, I know the whole process is like being an apprentice academic. So you're always... Your boss is your supervisor, but they're not, they're sort of your colleagues as well. And they're like training you to become an academic. But so, in a sense, maybe if you're not an academic, it could be seen as a waste of time. Maybe, but I don't know. But, but, but it, yeah. But, But I think there's a lot of like, when I worked in the DfE, it was kind of striking how much I had learnt from the start of the PhD. So, in that sense, it's probably not just tailored for people that want to be academics but also I don't know just any any kind of research really and I think I learned a lot more doing the PhD than I ever did as an undergrad for sure or even a master's student I'd say just put more practical stuff like how do you actually do this stuff day to day um yeah what are you hoping to do with your PhD so I'm hoping to stay in academia um and hopefully get a position as a lecturer 
So I guess the main things were a career in academia or a career in sort of policy or something like that. That was what Tess talked about, wasn't it? Yeah. But I think what people were recognising, and I think, you know, what Tess said about we're not always sure, like we're not always sure where we're heading. And there, so there are things during or within the PhD that prepare you in lots of directions. I guess that's what um, our friend, that's name I've just forgotten, Reese was saying, because of like, you know, going and having some work experience on a placement and then realising all these skills that I've gained that these people here who don't have PhDs don't have. Yeah, I think speaking to Reese separately, you know, speaking to Reese at other times, he's he's been quite shocked about our level of skill and expertise compared to people outside of academia. And you may know that, Kate, from your civil service time. Well, see, it's funny because I was just thinking, actually, a lot of the civil servants I knew had degrees in, like, astrophysics or something like that. It wasn't... They didn't have social policy PhDs. So I think it, we have a very specific set of skills <laughs> <laughs> and is actually probably much more relevant to, to jobs in the civil service or other policy jobs than, than you might think a lot of people in those fields actually do. Um, yeah. It's surprisingly random what people have degrees in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely want to use my PhD if I do not stay in academia for some sort of social justice cause. So um, there's a lot of left-wing think tanks that I follow, which would, would be awesome to work, work in. I think, for me, similarly, when people say to you, what, do you, what are you going to do with that? The idea is, what are you going to get a job in? But for me, like, what am I doing with this PhD is more about what am I doing with the knowledge and skills I'm learning in a way, probably outside of, for the most part, outside of my job, but in the other things that I'm involved in. And I know part of our podcast is that we're going to be discussing, like, our activist sides and the other things that we are involved with and how our PhD research informs that and helps with that. You know, and so I think for me, yeah, what am I doing with it? I don't really know where I'm heading, but I do know that I'm going to use it in lots of things I'm doing. Yeah. Um, do you think money motivates either of you? Well, <laughs> well, that's quite a good way to bring it right back to its start. What was your thing? So um, I was saying to B earlier that there's, I can't remember who it was, someone I know said that a PhD is a declaration that you don't care about your future salary. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll probably be you also don't care about your current salary, given <laughs> how much we all earn. Um, but I think for me, that's not, that isn't a big factor. Um, obviously, I want to be comfortable. I don't want to be struggling in the future, but I, I'm much more interested in doing working on a cause that I really care about and trying to help people. Um, basically, I'm a good old do-gooder. <laughs> I want to be a do-gooder too. Yeah, me too. So we're going to finish today's episode with some words and more than just a few words, some phrases to describe what the experience of doing a PhD is like for those who haven't done one before. I would say the PhD is a roller coaster, um, stressful, but rewarding at the same time. Sometimes it's stressful, sometimes funny if you're around with funny people and uh, there should be a good supervisor and also good friends. It's, it's a bit stressful sometimes. It requires not to uh, just be involved in your matters, but also try to ask questions, be, be willing to, to ask supervisor or, or classmates what you don't know or what you have doubts about. And, and it's probably, 
it's also about overcoming the, the fear of failure sometimes. <laughs> um, but, but it's hard. I mean, I mean, it's rewarding once you reach certain milestones or, or important events of the of your progression. Uh, I think going through them and experiencing the whole emotional and intellectual endeavor, it's, it's, it's rewarding in a way. Unexpected. Unexpected stuff always happens on field work. Um, and that's kind of the beauty of it. Uh, it's quite, that makes it quite dynamic, quite creative, um, can be really frustrating, <laughs> um, but also um, ultimately very rewarding. And a lot of that rewarding nature comes from collaborations that have happened throughout the PhD. So what are your words and phrases, B? Mm, challenging. I don't know if I actually agree with that. I think it's just a word you're supposed to say. Psychic trauma. <laughs> At times, uh, when I was having to retool my whole research questions, it was horrible. But now it's great. So much freedom to plan freedom. your day. It's tiring, <laughs> frustrating. I love it, though. It's a privilege. Yeah. Yeah, I do love it as well. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you enjoyed it and look out for our future episodes coming up we've got an episode on the general election and how social researchers navigate that on being a parent and doing a phd and also on the ethics of social research thanks for listening bye bye <laughs>